Hey everyone, I'm going to redo the intro because my reception was terrible as I saw during editing. Um, I was in the middle of kind of nowhere in um, Florida when we recorded this episode and I kept going between like one bar and zero bars and so I apologize in advance for some audio issues on my end. But anyway, here is the proper introduction. Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia, and then we had Nadia and Ellie as well, and our guest Alma. Enjoy the episode. And we have a guest on. I'm we're all very excited to talk to you. Um, Alma, can you introduce yourself um, and just like give a little bit about your background, what you do? Sure. Um, so my name is Alma. I'm the bassist of Slave to Sirens, and I'm also in the Sirens documentary directed by Rita Baghdadi. Um, I, I work as a video editor and videographer uh, and a musician too. Um, and right now I'm based in the U.S. It's been two years, in Florida specifically. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, so Nadia and I saw the documentary in New York uh, a few months ago. When was it? I, yeah, I think a few months ago. And um, yeah, it was just very impactful for both of us for different reasons, I think. Um, and we would love to hear more about like how the band started and you know you know like where you what you guys are up to now the impact it's had on you and also the experience of making the documentary is also something we're extremely um interested in because just watching it we were just um we were both so amazed by um how it was both a documentary, but it's not the style that you generally see of like lots of interviews in a row. It also showed the story in a non, just not just interviewing way. And it was just very, it was a, it's extremely captivating. Um, so yeah, I guess first, um, when did you join the band? Did you join like when it started? Or did you join like later on? Yeah, so the band started in 2015, and it started when um, Cherry and Lilas met uh, through a mutual friend, and they met in a protest against a garbage crisis that was going on. Um, and then I think they reached out to me the same year, 2015, they said they want to put a all-girl metal band and they need a bassist. They already had a drummer and a singer. So, and they reached out to me on Facebook. So I was like, yeah, of course, I'm interested to do that. And at first, when I went to the first practice, I I wasn't sure like how serious it would be or like what kind of metal it was gonna be. But yeah, um, I was very shocked to be honest. Like it was so good and so brutal and everything for you know <laughs> for me like playing with yeah. other women and um 
so yeah, this is how it started. Yeah. And currently, I don't know if you guys know, but we announced a few months ago that uh, our lineup has changed. Uh, so we have a new vocalist right now and a new drummer. So, um, so two original members are not with us anymore. And we're we're in the process of uh, recording our album. Uh, which is a full-length album because our first one was an EP and it should be out uh, that year I'm not sure when though but for sure this year 2023 um, wow oh that's exciting that's amazing yeah um, did you <laughs> yeah. before you before you joined the band were you like really into metal already so the type of metal I was in before joining the band was mostly new metal and heavy metal like uh, System of the Down, Megadeth, Metallica, and then when I got into the band, I went more into thrash and death metal, more extreme. Um, so it was a nice discovery, and it's something I really like. And composing your own music is completely different from playing cover songs. And we in the band, we tend to mix a bit. We have a lot of like we have some parts it's death metal and then oh, it's yeah. black metal and then suddenly it's like heavy metal. So yeah, yeah. we don't really cool. limit ourselves to like one thing. I mean, that's entirely fair because like no one is, I've often heard that uh, with metal that there's as many types of metal as there are bands. Like no one is pure anything. Everyone mixes. So finding your own mix is always good. Yeah, for sure. And with the new album, it's going to be even more um, like uh, more new stuff. Like we mix a lot of different styles, so it's going to be really good. And we're so excited for it. It's been a long time due to a lot of things happening, including the pandemic. Like it really slowed us down. Um. So where... Are some of the band members based in Lebanon right now and you're in Florida? So are you uh, physically recording in Lebanon or do you do like more online exchanges, sampling? How's that working out right now? Uh, yeah, so uh, so basically I record here in Florida because anything is possible now with yeah. virtual online and all that. Uh, but I visit Lebanon once a year, and when I go there, we try to make the best on, like that we can to work on stuff together. Um, but it's working fine virtually. Uh, right now, only two two are based in Lebanon, which are Nidal and Cherry, and our new vocalist, she's based uh, somewhere else. So, but it's working fine. Okay, I mean, with the cool. video calls, with the recording. Everything's cool. Um, well, I guess going into more about the documentary process, um, from the band members' perspective, how did that process start out? Like, did the film crew reach out to y'all? What were your first impressions of that? And um, how did the filming end up starting? Yeah, so um, the documentary started officially filming in 2018. So I think Rita, she discovered us on Spotify because she was looking for new music to listen to. 
And then she said that she instantly like fell in love and she said, I should meet those girls. <laughs> like it's a mess. Mm-hmm. So she sent us a message on Facebook like saying she's a documentary filmmaker in the US and she's half Moroccan and she would like to do a documentary about us. Uh, <laughs> it was very flattering, honestly, and very <laughs> random for us. Yeah. And like surreal. Exactly, surreal. Like, oh my god, I can't believe she's coming all the way from the United States to film a documentary about us. Like, really? Like, you can go follow a superstar or something and <laughs> make a documentary. No, that's it. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it felt very, very surreal. Uh, and then she, and then we scheduled a video meeting with her. And then she told us like how the process would be if we make this happen, and that she, that she thinks like basically this documentary is can be described as something you wish you watched before about the Middle East, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of movies or documentaries about the Middle East are just about tragedies, and you know all this stuff happening. Yeah. It's rarely about something positive and something as as random as an all girl metal band in Lebanon, you know. <laughs> exactly, because so, especially yeah. like from U.S. like from U.S. perception, it's like the especially with like women in in the Arab world, quote unquote. Like, there's this perception of like everyone's just so oppressed and like voiceless and. You know, and this documentary. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm always happy to see the amount of tragedy porn in this world reduced a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So, so they they got to Lebanon their first trip. It was Rita and Camilla, the producer. Um, and it was just Rita with her camera and uh, Camilla helping out. It was so casual and so intimate, and. She doesn't force us to do something we don't want to do or say something, you know, that so- sounds fake. Um, it was very natural, but for us, it was a bit weird at the beginning because of the big camera following us everywhere. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Yeah, but yeah, after the first trip, it was pretty good. And it ended up to go for three years and a half. And Rita, I think, made a total of eight trips to Lebanon. And it was really, really good because not only she made a documentary about the band, but we also became really close friends with her and the crew, which was only three people. Um, so, oh, yeah, I didn't realize so, it was so... I, I forgot it was such a small crew. Yeah, like three wow. people on set, I mean, not, you know... Not behind yeah, the not, not like editing and stuff. Yeah, so we were yeah. spending time with Rita, Camilla, and Tatiana, which is the co-producer and sound recordist. Um, so it was very intimate, very cool. We would go a lot of places, the beach, the restaurant, you know, our homes, just everything. We would do it together. And, you know, she followed us with the camera and all that. What, was it a lot of like, hey, just like talk to each other like you normally would all just be here? Or did she ask you guys a lot of questions beforehand? 
No, it was mostly very natural. She would only ask us the questions when we were doing a sit-down interview, but that, there were not. Yeah, okay. Not, and the documentary as a visual, that was only in the voiceover and narrative, which I think is a very nice decision. Because like you yeah. said, the documentary doesn't really feel like a documentary. It feels more like a movie. It does. And, yeah, and that was a personal choice of hers, which I think I really like. Um, instead of yeah. the talking heads all the time, I'm not a fan of either. I noticed also when watching it, like it wasn't very like heavy on the explaining and, and background information in a really beautiful way. Because sometimes when you see a documentary like that, it would take forever to explain like, what is Lebanon and what these protests are about and um, just everything about like, I don't know, back, background information, but instead it kind of just asked audience members to just jump in and go along for the ride. And if maybe you knew a lot about the specific references and places that were going on, you would get more out of it. But I also don't know that that was needed just to, to go along with the personal narratives and it was so cool how like in the audience so um nadia and i both have arab backgrounds but um most of the audience didn't seem to when we went and i it was really impactful to me to see like oh there's just like a lot of metal fans here at this documentary the sirens documentary all very interested in like hearing from Arab women in Lebanon. And it was, just, I realized from the US perspective, it was just extremely novel to me to see like, wow, people like really are paying attention. And um, like you said, Alma, there was, it was just a nice change from what you usually see relating to like the Middle East in media. Yeah, exactly. And my family watched it and they like they were they witnessed a lot of things and they know Rita and you know she came into our homes and everything and they were like my mom she said yeah. she was in tears because it really like affected her so Aww. so <laughs> so no. yes I can I can not imagine wow yeah so it's it is really different and it also like give a voice to under underrepresented people especially women of the Middle East, you know. Um, yeah, and when, sure. when the documentary was done and ready to watch, um, I personally did not expect it to be like that. I was like how, how well it's made um, and how care and work and, you know, attention yeah. was given to it. Um, so yeah, I'm happy with all of the success it got. Um, and yeah. the documentary making it to Sundance is like, it was our first news. So that was like really amazing. Right? That's, yeah. That really, you're like, this all escalated so quickly. Exactly. We were not expecting it. Not even Rita and Camilla and the rest of the crew. So incredible. Um, what was it like after, I guess, what was it like for you all, like, after the documentary came out? Did you, did you get a lot of people like us being like, hey, can you talk to us? Um, 
and do like these interviews and stuff like that. Oh yeah, we got a lot of requests, and we we had a we got a lot of exposure too, and we got a lot of intimate conversations. You know, like people saying that, like even though this is just a small chapter of our life, okay, it's three years and a half, but it's really a small yeah. chapter of how long we can live. Um. It really left an impact on them, um, and they said it mostly gave them courage. And it's because it's yeah. also like so raw and so like there's no filters. Um, no, no. You like everything is just, just in yeah. your face, you know. And coming from a country yeah. like Lebanon, okay, Lebanon is more open than other Arab countries, but it still has a very long way to go. Um, you know, like something very different from the usual. I think this is what like right. left people like, whoa, you know, the most. Because when, when there is no one yeah. else who, yeah. who like looks or works like you, it's very hard to see yourself in that same role. And you do break out. Everyone's like, "Oh, you're so cool!" And you're just like, "I'm just doing my thing," you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think it was very overwhelming in a good way. The release of the documentary, and we had a, a lot of good experiences. Um, and you know, like seeing ourselves on screen too was very different and very like new to us, especially with everything that was going on to like the revolution and the blast that happened. You know, we can see it as kind of embracing reality, at least for me, like when you see it like that on the big screen. I mean, it always helps to have a professional videographer and our recording crew following you around to, to make you look that awesome. But, but yeah. But even without that, it's like just being on the same screen as all those things at the same time just, you know, allows you to apply yourself into that um, idea of the time, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm spouting off. I'm sorry. No, I, I think, um, I mean, I know you were saying it's just three and a half years, but those are like so much happened in those three and a half years, right? Um Oh, so much at a um, broader political level. Like I was getting really emotional watching the film, just like seeing the backdrop of everything that had happened in Lebanon at that time. And I wasn't even there, but just like family members and and friends who are there and kind of re-experiencing that vicarious experience, just being like, damn, it's been a lot has happened a lot of really like tragic and hopeful and intense things have just happened and then within like the scope of y'all's individual lives um Rita was at the Q&A in New York and I remember her saying something about like um, wanting to do a coming of age story that was about adult like early adulthood instead of teenagerhood or like being 18 or that kind of thing which um i feel like just feels mm. very appropriate for like millennials 
<laughs> it is, because I don't think the coming of age is in your teen years. It's really not. Yeah. You're just, like, growing up in your teen years. And then in your 20s, you're really trying to figure out who you are and what you want to do. Right. And what you like. So I think, yeah, that age, like your 20s, is the real coming of age <clears throat> story. Yeah, um, I think that pushing like, young artists coming into, like, full-on adulthood has just kind of made me think about how, like, myself and my peers have done that. So... I mean, you really don't oh. have much agency in, in your teenage years, whereas you just, when you hit your 20s, you're like, shit, I finally have this freedom to make decisions. Oh, shit, I finally exactly. have the freedom to make decisions. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't think you know anything in your teenage years. It's just, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I apologize to any of our teenage <laughs> listeners, but sorry. <laughs> You probably know more about it than I did if you're listening to this podcast if you're a teenager. Yeah, that's true. Our music was portrayed alongside the backdrop of what's happening over there. It's very accurate. Because it was really our escape, you know? Like, it was the only outlet for us to be and do whatever we want, you know? Um, we used to practice every week, yeah. um, once a week. And... It was really like, like you go into that room, it's like another universe. You forget everything that exists outside. So, so I think yeah. the way it was shown, like our music, with what's happening in parallel, it's really like, it, it leaves an impact on you, you know? Like it makes you think. Yeah, at the end, Nadia, Nadia and I, at the end, walked to the subway and i remember just looking at each other and be like we're gonna need to process this <laughs> at some point because we were both of us were in just such a daze from the film and yeah. we both were just like we'll talk later let's <laughs> just process this <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean on the on the note about the music like for me metal isn't a genre that i have like previously been super into but it did really do a good job of um like it made me appreciate the genre and and why people are drawn to it as a form of expression just being like the need to express anger in the most like real and raw and straightforward way possible just seemed so apparent and then seeing that come out in the music um yeah, that that just came across, and I think, I think, really linked oh, the the, the sure. everything going on around to to the music itself. Oh yeah, for sure. And so a lot of time, metal music is portrayed as satanic music, especially in the in the Middle East. Yeah. And like when you hear it, and you have no idea what metal is, maybe you would be like, oh yeah, that's right. But when you see the people who play metal music, you know, like, you're like, oh, this has nothing to do with being satanic or a devil worshiper, you know. Oh, there's just a lot of things so. to be really angry and emotional about. Oh, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's very raw, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, um, I would, like, I mean, our listeners should just listen to all the to tracks, but, like, do you want to just describe like what some of the tracks are about um and 
maybe how they came sure. to be. Sure. So our first CP, um, it's called Terminal Leeches. Um, and the artwork is the face of someone with a leech in his eye. And we did this to exactly describe how, I mean, for us, we're talking specifically about the Lebanese government, but it can also be applied to a lot of other places. Uh, how they leech onto you and feed onto you, you know, so like they suck your blood dry completely. So they they just feed on tragedy, basically, and survive from people's money. Um, and the, the track Terminal Leeches is about that, you know, uh, war, um, diseases, um, how we are all affected by these, even if we're not aware of it. Um, so mainly that this is the theme of the album. We also have uh, animal abuse in one of our songs. Um, it's called Humanisticize. Um, so yeah, I would say the theme of our first album is mainly how the human can be evil just for its own benefit and profit and how people are treated and how basically everyone feeds on tragedy without knowing it or even with knowing it. So, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, and our new album is also something similar. Um, but the single that we released uh, last year is called Salome. It's based on uh, the story of Salome, um, which uh, that caught the, sorry, I forget names. Oh, no, it's okay. Um, <laughs> Oh, that that cuts the head for the king to please the king. So the legend of Salome. Yeah. yeah. Oh right, right. Basically, so, she did yeah, we're a. We're changing a bit, you know, making more lyrics about the stories, just like drifting a bit. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, uh, it's it's basically the story of Salome doing uh, a, what became in legend a an erotic dance. And in exchange, she requested the head of John the Baptist. Correct, yeah. So, uh, uh, for those who don't keep up with, uh, like, Renaissance art, it was, like, a huge thing for Renaissance artists to cover because it allowed them to do a lot of erotic and risque art while, you know, doing the shocking head cutoff. And a lot of artists also use that as a chance to insert their own face into the art as the head of John the Baptist. But random art aside, sorry. Yeah, so we're pretty excited for the new album because it's going to be very different from our first EP. Like, not completely, but first it's there's more songs and there's more variety. And it's a style we're really excited to show everyone. Amazing. Um, maybe we'll drop some song samples into the podcast if you're cool with that. Um, not from the new one, but just just like oh, from the EP. Yeah, 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 for sure. You can even find the uh, Salome on Spotify or YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, awesome. Yeah, I was jamming out to it on the uh, the Google Music 
last weekend, so. Oh, yeah. By the way, Ellie is a big metal fan, so. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. we run into the problem of there's so many varieties of metal, so. It's like, yeah, you've got oh, your... Yeah. What's your favorite? Oh, power metal, and, and for better or worse. It's like, okay. I, I, I know it's cheesy, I know it's terrible at times, but I love it. <laughs> I don't know a lot about power metal. Okay, cool. Basically, if it's singing about dwarves or dragons, or sounds like Queen, it's probably power metal. Yeah, like Power Wolf. I know Power Wolf. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's that's yeah. really cool. I wish I can. Yeah. I wish we can meet you guys in person. <laughs> that would be really nice. I would love that. I know. Um, Ellie is in Houston. Nadia and I are in New York City. Can Maybe one day. Come to like Virginia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Alia, yeah. aren't you in Florida right now, though? I'm in Florida, oh. yeah. I with my cousin. Um, I'm in the Tampa, not not far from Tampa right now, but I live in New York. Um, cool. So yeah, yeah. I'm in um, I'm in Orlando. Oh, you are! Oh wow! Yeah. Oh man, we're leaving tomorrow morning too. We oh. we actually oh. my my cousin my cousin and I came out came here to swim with manatees it's something we both really wanted to do <laughs> so it's like yeah, super it's specific yeah it's incredible um it's nice and warm um but yeah so what um yeah i would love to hear too like what is your role with like the songwriting do you do you take part in um the lyrics and stuff like that yeah, I do. Uh, not not really the lyrics, most mostly the music, um, because that's how I feel yeah, most, yeah. most comfortable. Um, so yeah, but usually the the two guitarists they compose some something or they compose a part, and they can either like give it to me. I can do like my. I usually do my own bass lines, and I work. I used I work too with the drummer a lot because drums and bass really go together. Uh, sometimes we used to do practices just the two of us um, to compose something together. But yeah, I would say my role is in the music side, not the lyrics. That's super cool. Um, uh, as to yeah, and how did oh go ahead go ahead Alia. Oh, I wanted to ask, like, how you got started playing bass. Like, when was that in your life? Um, and what kind of, like, led you to the instrument specifically? Oh, yeah. So, first thing, when I, when I started learning music, it was not bass. It was piano. And I still love the piano a lot, and I still play it. But for the bass, um, so I was playing in a band, um, and... The bassist left. Uh, I was a teenager. I was like 17 or 16. And the bassist left, and we had a gig to play. So I said, like, whatever, I'll learn the songs on the bass. Um, like, it was not... And I knew, like, a bit of guitar, so it was not that hard for me to 
Not that hard to decide to pick the bass, not to actually play it, but bass is really hard. I think it's really hard to master more than to start learning it. Um, so this is how it started, because I said, okay, I'll learn those three songs on the bass and I'll just play it. So this is how I picked up the bass and I really liked it. Um, I just like kept on playing bass and, you know, developing my skills. And then when I met the band, it got even more serious because I have one more reason to keep playing bass. And metal music is really complicated, especially on the bass, because you have all that fast uh, rhythm, fast riffs. Oh, yeah. You know, and the bass is, uh, you know, it's a bit tough to play fast on it, especially yeah, in metal music. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, and... yeah. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, in metal, there is a certain joke about certain kinds of metal being called math rock just because of the complicated bass lines and rhythms they pull off for math metal. But it's kind of true. And as much as people like to dismiss like metal as a lot of noise, um, there is a lot of incredibly complicated and impressive guitar work that goes into it. So. Oh yeah, metal is one of the most complicated types to play, uh, and it really depends what type of metal, but the one we play, thrash metal and death metal, is one of the most complicated, for sure. So, a lot of respect for that. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean... But yeah, it feels really good to play, you know, that fast music and all of that, and really like you can do a lot of stuff and like with the bass and metal you don't really have to follow the guitars exactly like they're doing what they're playing i mean so and you know just being on stage um and playing that type of music is really amazing yeah the crowds get really enthusiastic oh yeah um we really miss uh going live so we really hope that with the new album We'll be able to play a lot of live concerts. Um, as you can see in the documentary, um, you saw footage at the end of, I think it was, we played at Glastonbury, which was yeah. a national, international um, festival. And when like they reached out to us, we were like, what, this is, crazy like after we told this to rita and camilla they were like whoa you know they were like we have to go with you this is happening you know so yeah they documented um everything there yeah. and glastonbury is such an amazing festival although it's not a metal festival or a rock festival it's mostly pop but that year they had a metal section and yeah, we were really glad to play there. And then we went on to play at Wacken in Germany, which is also the biggest festival in Europe. Uh, thankfully, so, yeah. thankfully, Europe's metal uh, music scene is a lot more welcoming to metal than most. So glad you got into That's it. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that footage is at the end of the documentary with the credits. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your work outside of the band in the documentary, um, about what you do with video? 
Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so I studied film in college, and then I, I was in Lebanon, and I used to work a bit as a bit of everything, but I used to do a lot of sound on set, um, like sound recording on set, um, because that's what I liked. And um, a lot of video editing, mostly commercial stuff, corporate promo videos and stuff like that. Um, but here right now in Florida, I'm I'm working at a company who does um, um, corporate stuff, like for real estate companies or stores or um, you know events, conferences, and stuff like that. So I do videography and I edit their videos. I also have like some of my personal work that I do. Um, I have a Vimeo channel and I have a YouTube channel. Um, they need a lot of <laughs> up-to-date because I'm not like the type of person that posts a lot on social media. So, so yeah, and I do photography too. So my work is on Vimeo, YouTube, and Instagram. And we will be providing links to that on our website along with this uh, podcast uh, post. Cool. How would you describe Thank you it? so much. And music, of oh, course. Go for, go for it, Nadia. I, I already <laughs> told you about the music, but yeah, music for sure. Um, um, it doesn't have to be but maybe one day. Yeah. What? Um. How would you characterize your personal work in video and film? Can you ask me a more detailed question? Um. Yeah. Like, what what kinds of projects are you making? Um. Outside of what you do, like professionally and commercially, like maybe oh, people um, do and tell us a little bit about it. Uh. Yeah, I've been recently, like recently, I mean the past two years, more into taking photos of people and doing photo series, um, you know, with lighting and everything. Um, and video work, also I work like freelance, mostly events. Okay. I cover events and I edit videos. But yeah, I can basically work with uh, anyone who's looking for a videographer, photographer, or editor for whatever they have, like event or photo session, or um, even like a promotional video about themselves or about their work or about something specific. So, yeah. People in Florida, hit her up. <laughs> uh, how do you like Florida so far? Oh, I like it. It's not bad at all. Um, sometimes it's too hot and it bothers me, and the bugs are too much. Um, but I like it, to be honest. Um, when I went to California for the documentary and I told people I live in Florida and I like it, everyone was just disappointed, I think. Yeah. They were oh. like, how do you like this place? Like, I don't know why everyone hates it. 
and they don't even they never even visited like some of them but yeah it's a very laid-back place um some cities like miami have like more to offer um for my for me for my career um but it's a, it's a decent place uh, for for those who don't know, Florida has something of a negative reputation in the United States for being, well, very conservative and but very weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like the state politics. I mean, how conservative it is on a city level, it just kind of varies from city to city. Yeah. Right? I mean, but like, yeah. The, but the, the national reputation for Florida is just very, very conservative and weird. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I'm going to cut in. Um, my phone went jumped from 30% to 4%. So if I get kicked off, just know that's why. So sorry about that. Anyway, we can keep going. Okay. Uh, yeah, actually, when I used to hear that even when I was in Lebanon, like the Florida man jokes and memes on oh. the internet. Oh yeah, yes, they made it. Oh my God, they made it to Lebanon. That's so <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's so global. funny. Yeah, and I, I thought that really it's it is conservative. But when I came here, I figured out that big towns, big towns like Orlando or Miami, like it's not really what you think. Like it's not conservative at all, especially not Miami or you know Orlando. It's mostly yeah, like yeah. Nadia said, like you know smaller cities certain parts of florida but i, I, I really I will, think it's a yeah. mix you know i'm in like the the part of florida my cousin and i have been driving around it's been we've seen trump flags everywhere and we're like <laughs> whoa we are we are both really freaked out like neither of us are just used to seeing that um so we're seeing like Trump 2024, the revenge tour flags. And we're like, where are we? But it's a, but it's like these really small towns, you know? Yeah, so exactly. Different, yeah. different, yeah. I think most places are like that. Like, California has a reputation of, like, oh, it's liberal. And, like, yeah, the, the statewide politics lead in that way. But also, when you're just, like, driving between San Francisco and L.A., and you just, like, go off into the little towns like that, that's, like where conservatism started like that's like little trump towns over there so it just oh we lost alia <laughs> yeah it just depends yeah exactly um i do i do miss lebanon a lot yeah those are my friends and family and you know i miss like the good days of the band and all of that i really felt like we were working towards a purpose mm -hmm. like a something that we all agree on and we all want so like leaving everything behind and coming here is not was not easy at all um yeah like i, I think i i left in november 2020 after that blast happened yeah i was like i'm done like that, like that was the cherry on top you know yeah so i was like i have to leave asap so yeah, I mean, it seems like you're still plugged in and you're still involved with the music scene there and you're going back. So it's not like you're giving up on that goal that you had as a group. It's just that you have to do what you got to do for yourself. Also. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, um, we're very excited to go back and play concerts. And hopefully, like, my dream is first to, like, do a tour in the U.S. Because yeah. I know it would be really worth it. And the U.S. and Cherie visited the U.S. Um, for the documentary. And we had a really amazing time. And Nilos were, was here for the release uh, in L.A. and in New York City. Yeah, we saw is that one? Is that one you guys went and watched uh, the documentary? Yeah, we saw her at the, um, they did like a Q&A after one of the screenings. So we met her mm. for like a second there. Yeah, I couldn't come. I was supposed to come, but because Hurricane Ian happened. Um, <laughs> and they closed the airport in Orlando. Yeah. So, so yeah, I missed it. But Come to we, New York. Like sometime. we've been very. Hmm? Come to New York sometime though. Oh, definitely I will, for sure. Um, and we, we really want to play in New York, too. Like, that would be phenomenal. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed it's going to happen. Soon. Oh, yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up? Or if not, um, let people know where they can follow both the band and you personally. Um, I'm gonna wrap it up by saying that we hope that we can continue to inspire um, people, especially young people that are trying, young people and metalheads that are trying to make it, and women in the Middle East. Um, sometimes things are not always as they seem. Sometimes, like, it's too dramatized in the media, like, how women are treated in the Middle East and, and other cases it's true but either way um we hope that people will have the courage after watching the documentary you know to express themselves more to uh, to think about the importance of friendship because it's very important i think for me friendship um i realized that mostly after i moved that like how important friendship is like the real friendship and yeah so that's all i have to say to wrap it up that's beautiful oh yeah so you can follow the band on instagram which is slave to sirens band that's the account name and my personal account is alma underscore do many um and the band is on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, all music platforms, Spotify, and Gami Deezer, and, you know, Apple Music and all of that. For the documentary, you can uh, buy it or rent it on Apple TV Plus or on Amazon Prime. Or you can check out where it's playing uh, somewhere in your city on sirensdocumentary.com. Cool. So you can find us at thequeerarabs.com. The Queer Arabs on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you want to talk to us, you can email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us, everyone. See you next time. Hey.